Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from 4 Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome to the show joining me this week from fox sports at the central coast mariners ffa cup match it's aj hawkins uh, yes uh, good evening craig and uh, let me start off with uh peter norton joins us on the line from inside motorsport and uh, i guess not as much background noise where you are. No, no, we're cuddled up in front of the fire in Canberra, trying to stay warm as we do this time of year. Interesting time we're in in the V8 supercars and AJ, everyone coming back from the demo in Kuala Lumpur, a lot of great reports coming out of that event and looks like the only concern is that it might be moving its date, which could make it difficult for James Warburton and the team to reschedule the uh, event into the calendar. Yeah, seeing all the uh, all the vision come back this week, and um, it looked like a great demonstration for those uh, five guys over there. And the, the crowd was uh, apparently getting right into it, so hopefully it has a future. Uh, and any date change they have fits in with the calendar, because I'd love to see the, the V8 take to that street and uh, and have a full championship race. Peter, there's a fair few logistical problems, though. No pit lane, and they talk about and an interesting quote is that. We need to make sure that we can have an event there that's worthy of the championship. With so many different events on the championship, so many different styles, it's hard to believe that someone who wants to pay full fare wouldn't be able to get an event that suits the championship. Yes, I've seen a lot of mixed reports about the uh, the event, um, and it's interesting that I guess the people that you would describe as the the independent media, people who uh, have locked horns with V8 supercars in the past, they've been very quick to uh, uh, highlight some of the challenges that the event has had. Um, the track wasn't ready and passed uh, in time for the first session. Um, and just other little problems, it was bumpy and a few other things. Um, but it's interesting, the, the, the media who's more closely aligned with V8 supercars uh, were very optimistic and, and, and complimentary about the event. And uh, I just find the coincidence is that the, the people that were there are the ones who uh, are talking it up. Um, so maybe the event is, is not under so many question marks as some of the others were saying. Uh, and I think ultimately the, the test is whether the local promoter wants us back. Um, you know, if they are passionate about having us back, then they'll, they'll make these things happen. They will find a pit lane. Um, they will find solutions to some of the problems. Uh, so I think the, the real test is, did the fans engage with the spectacle? Uh, and is it worth the promoter spending the money to invite us back? Uh, let's hope so, because it looks like a fascinating place. Yeah, and interesting, AJ. Some people have short memories. The first Adelaide race, there wasn't enough runoff in the... Uh, in the turns and overnight that was able to be fixed they just had to uh, extend the track boundaries this is the sort of thing that happens at every street race well exactly it was you know it was their first go and and let's not forget that they uh they don't actually close the uh the street off a gold coast or homebush or anything like that 
the um, the roads uh, are open until 6 a.m. in the morning, and then they close it for the race to happen, and then they open it back up in the evening just to let traffic flow. So you're always going to get some of these problems uh, occurring. Um, but I'm sure they'll uh, sort these things out as uh, you know if it goes ahead into a into a, a full spectacle. Mm. And uh, interestingly, we've seen so many street races coming up over the last, uh, particularly uh, six or seven months during the Formula E Championship, which you've had on Fox Sports there, AJ. And those street circuits all have had their share of difficulties as well. <laughs> well, exactly. Let's not forget they, um, some of the first uh, motorsport events to run around London's Battersea Park as well. So, you know, these things are occurring and... I don't know if it's the future of street races. I'm still a purist at heart and like the, uh, the actual uh, circuit racing, but um, I'm sure they have a place. Mm, it is interesting, though, the speculation when they go overseas for a demo or for a championship race, Peter, is they have to have two races because the promoter's only paying one leg of the trips for most, uh, for most events. That comes back to the point you made earlier about the, we're trying to compress our calendar to have shorter gaps, and uh, for these overseas trips, uh, it's so much cheaper if you can stick the cars on a boat and uh, take the slow boat uh, home, uh, which puts pressure on the, the whole, all of the scheduling. Um, let's hope that they can strike the right balance there, either by pairing up with a, another race in the region to justify the cost of air freight, or if they can find the, uh, a mutually convenient time in the calendar, that allows the uh, the surface transport uh, to be part of the, the part of the plan and get those costs down. Mm. Now, I guess AJ, one of the uh, critical things is, will we get to see all the racing at Fox Sports uh, anytime soon? Um, I think we have highlights of the KL event scheduled in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what those highlights package entails, but um, keep your keep, keep your eyes peeled. All right. Well, we need to take check your local guides. So we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. There's plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, rest of the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, where... Uh, we'll get a score update going around the grounds to AJ Hawkins. Is it still 1-0 against the Central Coast? It is 1-0 against the Central Coast. We've had a few chances. You may have heard in the, the last couple of minutes, but yes, it's uh, 1-0 in the 60th minute. The FFA Cup's an interesting event, and it's fitting you should t- be there because it's an event that's not part of the championship. It's part of a, a, an independent knockout competition, and was amazingly successful in its first year and now into the second year. Do you think that we need to have something like that in Vert Supercars where we have this alternate event that maybe has some of the teams or some of the drivers, but not everyone at every race? Uh, that's an interesting scenario. The, the soccer, football or soccer in this country actually has three separate championships. Um, 
uh, you know, should you be successful. So uh, I'm not sure whether the supercars need that. I, I, think, I think the endurance series is kind of standing, you know, popping its head up, and then you've got the the rest of the the championship, which makes it all up. I think that's fine. I think having those two things is um, is okay. Peter, is there room? Is there room for having like we used to have a, a sprint champion and endurance champion? And do they need to have a clearer definition of what these other races are? It's an interesting uh, issue, isn't it? We we do have the an endurance championship and a separate trophy for that uh, the, the championship within the championship, and the media try to give it as much support as they can. But I'm just not sure whether the fans are really engaged in that. Um, the fans obviously get excited about Bathurst, but the, the, the mini-championship, I'm just not sure whether it's really connected. Um, but you've raised an interesting point about having a, a, perhaps a, a non-championship event, a little bit like they uh, have in NASCAR, which uh, I can't think of its current name, but it used to be the cigarette brand, um, uh, the, the night of... Uh, uh, almost an all-star uh, competition where certain drivers qualify by winning during the year uh, and having huge prize money for this one-off event. Um, that's an interesting way of creating some variety. But the, the idea of having uh, you know, particular segments within the championship of uh, uh, you know, a couple of races that uh, are 250 or a couple of uh, events, rounds that are based around 250-kilometre uh, races... Uh, and then go into a, a couple of uh, race meetings that are grouped around uh, a shorter sprint uh, format for a couple of, uh, couple of uh, weeks or months. Um, I don't know if that's actually the answer either. NASCAR quite successfully bounces around with uh, you know, week in, week out um, to different tracks and different uh, race lengths, and uh, they still keep it fresh. But it's one race, AJ, isn't it? It's one race, it's the feature race, and at the end of the weekend, everyone knows who the winner is. Well, exactly. They've got, you know, that all-star race is quite a big thing, and then, they, you know, everyone knows who the winner is, and they kind of move on. It's only for, you know, it's only for the cash. I mean, it's quite a possibility it could work here, but where would you, where would you have it? Yeah, an interesting point. You'd have to have it in a location where it's all about money. It's about raising revenue, and it's about getting a sponsor to pay the bill. And is that a street track, or is it a, a permanent circuit? This, you know, it's a, I'm not sure that a permanent circuit would... You know, unless you had it at a special venue, separate, like a, a revamped Calder Park or something. Or what about a night race, and that's the only night race, and it's for the cash? I think the key in the choice of venue would be it have to be a track that isn't so reliant on qualifying, uh, a track that has plenty of passing opportunities uh, that uh, would keep it fresh. Mm. Well, later in the year, Fox Sports has a clash, a, a pretty big clash too, the Gold Coast and the Speedway Grand Prix. And I am a big supporter of having a Speedway Grand Prix format, three or four cars, as it looks like we've got some action there at the football, Andrew. Yeah, no, no score yet. Just a, uh, a decision waved away in the box. All right. So, uh, penalty shot a goal or? No, waved away. Waved away. All right. That's that's the thing. I, I and I don't know about you, AJ, but what about a, a three or four car shootout and points going for every race till we get to the uh, final, where the top three or four make it through. Yeah, well, it's, it's an interesting thing and something we've, we've discussed in the office a couple of times is actually having a, a chase-style end of the year 
So kind of after Bathurst and the uh, and the Enduros having you know points reset, and then the top couple of guys then race for a you know for for the winner like NASCAR has. Uh, a couple of the drivers who is canvas like the idea, a couple of them don't, but it's an interesting concept. It certainly is, Peter. What's your read? Um, it's interesting if you think back over the years that the different uh, point scoring systems that uh, have popped up from time to time. Uh, Mark Scaife dominated too much. He had too many championships and he had the uh, championship wrapped up with a couple of rounds to go. So we uh, you know, changed the, the, the point scoring system, trying to keep it uh, really close towards the end. Uh, and I guess some of our thinking really is based on uh, Jamie Wincup, who's dominated for many years. Um, but, but now it's someone else. Now it's Winterbottom that may have it stitched up with uh, uh, a round or so to go. So, uh, yeah, sometimes it's a knee-jerk reaction. Um, so I remember quite clearly that, uh, as it goes back a while, Michael Schumacher and Mark Scaife were just winning too much, so they changed the point score. And that's the thing that in the Wing Cup era, AJ, hasn't happened. We haven't seen a knee-jerk change the point score because one guy's dominating, and that's probably been to the benefit of the sport. Absolutely. I think it's good for consistency-wise to, to be able to say, you know, Wincup's been the champion and consistently all the way through has been better than everyone else. I'm not sure that changing the point system as an knee-jerk reaction is definitely a good thing because it, it confuses the heck out of fans and that's not what you want. You want to simplify everything so the fans know what's going on. Well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but plenty more when we return with AJ Hawkins and Peter Norton. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian title since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at the Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, as AJ Hawkins and Peter Norton join me, Craig Ravel. And as we've been talking about diversification in all sorts of areas, Fiat Supercars have been under a serious, serious diversification program, Peter. And the KL City Grand Prix was an example of part of their diversification strategy. The Bathurst 12-hour is another example. One for events, the other for TV. Uh, yes, Craig, it's interesting to see their business strategy. Um, they're, they're more than a, a one-trick pony, uh, and it's what the smart big businesses are doing now. Uh, in uh, business terminology, they call it uh, going into the adjacencies. Uh, if you've got a business that's really strong in one area, What's another line of business that rubs up next to you all of the time that it's not a real good, not a big stretch for you to uh, jump into that business as well and really take advantage of the synergies of the operations between the two? Um, so, yeah, the good examples that you gave, that V8 Supercars uh, became very good at uh, TV production. So let's go into business and sell that to others, not just to ourselves. Um, they've become very good at event promotion. Uh, the, the Bathurst 1000, obviously very good at uh, uh, 
uh, everything from selling <coughs> tent sites through to corporate packages. Uh, and uh, it makes a little bit of sense, doesn't it, that uh, if you've got those skills and processes and systems and clever people, um, take that to new markets. Uh, and that new market, of course, is GT racing. Um, some would say, yeah, is that in competition with the, the V8 supercars? Well, let's put in a different time of the year and that sort of thing. Uh, and you've got uh, two products in your lineup rather than one. Um, the business strategy sounds fine. Uh, of course, motorsport, and you put sport in, uh, the fans think they own it. Um, it gets a, a very complicated to manage the stakeholder expectations uh, uh, as well. So uh, it becomes much trickier than uh, some of the more straightforward businesses, I think. Mm. And AJ, you, of course, have been in the firing line, not personally, but your work has been in the firing line all year because of the new TV deal. Yeah, and look, we, we have, and I, I would hope that people would, you know, see the, the difference and, the, you know, what we kind of bring to the table as a, as a broadcaster. Um, which I, I think the, uh, you know, the Vair Supercars events through the back of 12 hours is actually good. And let's not forget that it's not fully owned by Vair Supercars. It's actually 50% owned with the council. So the council... The, Bathurst Council isn't going to let their supercars kind of go and walk in and, and stuff it up because they've got a vested interest in it as well. So I think the two can coexist quite uh, quite well. And what about the TV brand and the TV business diversifying and uh, and op- opening up its revenue base as well? Well, exactly. And, the, and they, you know, it's it's basically, you know, a, a turnkey operation. I mean, they, the world fee they put out you know, anyone can just walk in and put their own hostings around it. So whether it be Channel 7 or Fox or Channel 10, it doesn't really matter if broadcaster was a broadcaster. Have you, um, have you seen much of a change in the email traffic and the attitudes on your websites and postings over the course of the years since people have been more familiar with what you're offering? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of people that are actually starting to... You know, where it was mostly negative at the start, there's actually a lot of people that have turned and actually sticking up for our product and saying, hey, I've watched it, I've got it. This is the best thing that's ever happened to the category because you can actually see everything. And you don't miss stuff. And we've got, you know, people who aren't afraid to, to voice their opinions in Scaife and Ingle. Um, so you don't get a biased view of, you know, the world through one set of glasses, you know, that we put an alternative point of view together. So... It's been good. It'll, these things always take time, but um, I'm, you know, optimistic that it'll all be fine towards, you know, as time continues. Mm. And one thing that's flying under the radar, radar, Peter, is the fact that V8 Supercars is soon to be the um, the rights holder for the V8 Utes, and the Utes series uh, is going to undergo some changes with that. Um, you're right, that's something we haven't heard a lot of uh, lately. It's a, a deal that was done a little while back. Um, they've got, well, behind the scenes, that they've been working very hard in coming up with the, the, the new set of rules. Um, of course, it's moving away from the uh, Falcon and Commodore Utes because, well, hey, they're not going to make them anymore, uh, to something that uh, is still market relevant. Uh, so... Uh, um, that one's going to be interesting to see how the fans connect with it because I think it will be a, a slightly different fan base. Um, you know, the, the t- traditional uh, Aussie bloke who loves his Commodore Ute, um, it's slightly different when you introduce the Japanese brands or German brands or, or whoever that they, uh, they, they get involved. And it, it's probably got some similarities with the, uh, 
you know, the next generation of, uh, of V8 supercars and, and introducing other brands. Um, the old traditional tribal Ford versus Holden, that's long gone. Um, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how the old brand adapts to this new world. We'll get an update from the FFA Cup, AJ. Uh, still 1-0 uh, against. See, we don't have that sort of problem with uh, Vertu because something actually is happening at every race, at every corner, you could say. And I guess that's one of the things that appeals to the audience, whether they be live or watching it on TV. Uh, this is very true, but the problem we have with, you know, when you look at a Vertu car telecaster, it doesn't all happen right in front of you. Not saying that it, it, it all happens here, but... It's a, you know, mostly a split-out track and you kind of get to see one point of view and things may happen, but we get replays and stuff, which are more the compliments for that. Mm. All right, we do need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. There's plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bolt Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Peter Norton and AJ Hawkins. Guys, we're just past the halfway point. What's been your assessment, AJ, on the teams and drivers so far? Well, I think it depends on uh, who you're talking. You know, ProDrive have done an excellent job this year. There's no no debating that they are the class of the field. And it's interesting to see, um, you know, Triple H kind of falter from their top position. Uh, it's not that, you know, um, I was going to say, it's not that FPR are doing a better job, but they actually just haven't dropped the ball like they have in previous years. You know, they've made a lot of silly mistakes. And it looks like that has now put pressure on Triple Eight, who are making those same, you know, mistakes on strategy calls and putting, you know, and just think little things going wrong, which has changed their thing. HRT have tripped, up, tripped over each other severely this year. Uh, you know, where they started out strong and full of promise. Uh, Penske were always going to be a, you know, a, a mid-field at this point, but they. Well, they're getting their act together, and they're getting their act together quickly, so I think they'll be a reckon, force to be reckoned with next year. Peter, what about you for teams? Um, there's been some notable uh, ups and downs compared to last year's pecking order, hasn't there? Um, a lot has already been spoken about Jamie Wincup and the, uh, the, the, the mojo. The magic's just not there the way that it used to be. Uh, and Craig Lowndes is now uh, quite comfortably showing him the way where we hadn't seen that for many years. Um, Shane Van Gisbergen, I think, is the, the standout disappointment of the season so far. Um, he had a great year last year, fought to the very end and just snatched second place in the championship. Um, he's nowhere this year. Uh, and you really have to scratch your head about, about why that has happened. And, and maybe it's a flow-on effect of Triple Eight. Uh, you know, they haven't got their advantage and magic that they had. Uh, and uh, Techno being a customer, maybe that's the flow-on effect. 
Um, still waiting for the, the, the Nissans in particular and the Mercedes to a smaller extent uh, to live up to their press releases. Uh, Nissan in particular of uh, always, uh, you know, oh, we've got this new something and uh, the tide's about to turn and they just don't make that final step up. Um, but that's more of a, a status quo rather than a, a particular disappointment. Um, FPR, obviously uh, a standout. I don't think anyone was expecting the, uh, I dare you say, uh, dominance that they've shown this year. Um, everyone was expecting it to be more up and down. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's daylight, fourth or fifth, depending on uh, on how many of their cars they've got uh, at the pointy end. Mm. It raises an interesting point, AJ. Did Holden make a mistake with their aero changes at the beginning of the year? Uh, look, I'm not sure they made... No, you know what? I'll take that back. Absolutely not. You know, when you've got HRT as the only ones complaining about arrows, if there was an aero problem, Roland Dane would be one of the first to jump up and down and say, there's a problem. And he hasn't said a word. You know, Mark Dutton came out on, him, on, uh, you know, on TV a couple of weeks ago and said, look, it's not us. You know, it's, it's not uh, aero that's the problem. It's been us. So I don't think there's... I, I think we've debunked the aero myth uh, uh, severely as well. Mm. That was on the TV show named after this show, you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, what about drivers, Peter? Have you got uh, have you got a list of drivers that probably should stay or go? Um, not really. I suppose the one that, uh, that the driver that has impressed me this season is Nick Perkat. I thought he made a, a huge career blunder in, uh, in selecting uh, the Dumbrell race team, uh, who were famous for being under-resourced and just struggling. Uh, and he's had uh, uh, what appears to be such a positive impact on that team. Uh, there's a lot's been written about that already. Uh, but I think that's going to build his reputation for years to come. Um, so, yeah, he played his cards well. Instead of just having a, an endurance drive, um, he's been a, you know, a full-time driver and he's built his personal brand, uh, not just through his driving, but I think uh, through his influence on that whole team. So uh, uh, he's probably the standout in uh, uh, building on his career. A um, uh, couple of the, the drivers that are, uh, haven't performed, um, it's, it's probably quite a long list where they've uh, been uh, pretty much same again, uh, similar to what they've done last year. Uh, so uh, that's quite a long list. Mm. What about you? You want to get the knife out to any of the drivers that are currently in the series, make way for some young guns like uh, Cameron Waters and the like? Uh, look, I, I think that, that if you're not in the top ten, you're, you're kind of underperforming. The person I feel sorry for the most is Lee Holdsworth this year. If he was still at FPR, he would be exactly where Heimgartner is and probably further up, leaving that coming out from the ProDrive stable and going to the Walkinshaw stable, and they have had a shocking year this year. It's probably not been the best career move for, for Schwerkholt and or and Holdsworth as well. It's almost like Charlie just has the Mark Webber knack of getting out of a team just as they're about to uh, skyrocket. Well, let's, let, let's not... Uh, you know, he did win a championship with, uh, with James Courtney and DJR, so you know, he does have the slight runs on the board, but since then, they definitely have under-delivered. Mm, it's a tough one, isn't it, Peter, when you're looking at what's coming and thinking, hmm, if this is more of the same, I need to go somewhere else. Yeah, and for, for Charlie, uh, I guess uh, credit where it's due, 
Um, he wasn't a happy customer when it was uh, FPR, but he really didn't have a choice to stay because he had conflicting sponsorship anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was more to it than uh, simply uh, being unhappy there and moving to, to someone that looked like they were on the up. Um, I think he had to move anyway because of the sponsors. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercar, but still more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Peter Norton and AJ Hawkins. My name's Craig Ravel, and hope you're enjoying the show. Don't forget you can listen to it on Stitcher.com. It's a mobile app that allows you to listen to it on your phone. You can listen to it even in your car. There's thousands of cars now out on the road that have the Stitcher app automatically in... in automatically installed when you buy it from the dealer. Holdens are an example how you can listen to Inside Supercars as you're driving around town. AJ, uh, we've touched on formats, but do you think we need to define the season a bit better when we're particularly talking about cutting down the length of the season? Um, That's an interesting one, Craig. I'm kind of happy with the way the season pans out at the moment. It, It can definitely be condensed. Uh, you know, a race every couple of weeks is fantastic for the fans. Uh, hell for the t- people making TV behind it because there's just really not enough lead-up time to do much. But for the fans, I think it's I think it's okay and I think it's great. We've got, we've really got, you know, in the last couple of years, they've really cemented those three different formats. You know, your Super Sprint, Super Street, and then the Enduro Series. So I think that's okay. I think it's a good mix. Is part of the problem though? that it's three days from eight till five, you're talking about an event. Do we need to get it down to a point where it's two hours, like our football codes, it's two hours of hardcore, you know, hardcore viewing, and that's the event. You come here for those couple of hours of racing, and that's it. Are you talking like a Formula One style, like the races, the Grand Prix, two hours, that in and out? I don't know if that's... I mean, the sprint races have their have their place. I think. I think it's good to mix it up a bit and not just have the same old format for the drivers to kind of, you know, to mix. I think it's great to mix it up, actually. Peter, do you um, understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh... When I was living in North America, I uh, was a passionate NASCAR viewer. But uh, over over the months, I found that all of my Sunday was spent watching the NASCAR race. It was just too long, week in, week out. Uh, and my attention span was uh, So uh, I, I think I see Craig's point, that um, uh, it's the hardcore fan that will tune in for three days, um, but the casual observer... I think has a shorter attention span and it's a bit like cricket with the 2020 or or dare I say like test cricket at the moment um, that it's uh, uh, condensed 
all of the action pretty quickly and uh, Australia's out in half a day. Um, that's pretty convenient for the viewers to watch and uh, I, I think that there's a bit to learn uh, from those other sports uh, for motorsport. AJ, have we just had a goal there at uh, the uh, Central Coast? It's, a, it's a, a direct penalty. Hasn't been taken yet. All right. Do you want to stay with the call? No, no let's continue on. <laughs> The interesting thing, though, is that we are talking about three days. It's three very long time for people's focus. And if you can dense it down further, so it's a race every other week, are people going to be able to absorb that much that much motorsport and that much V8 supercars or Australian motorsport as it is a whole weekend of motorsport, AJ? Well, I think it depends what sort of fan you are. I mean, you've got people who will sit down and watch everything. You've got people who don't want to watch Aussie racing cars and, you know, all that, and they just want to watch the Vans supercars. For, for motorsport purists, it's like going to the, you know, it's like going to the event, but you're at home. You know, and I don't think that's a, that's, I don't think that's a, a bad thing for some people. You know, some people like to immerse themselves fully. It's, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think people can pick and choose what they want to, what they want to see. Mm. And I guess that's the key with the current offering. People have the choice. They can tune in at the designated time to see just the V8 supercar race. But if they're passionate about other things, they can tune in early and watch the whole thing. Mm. Um, choice is a pretty good thing to have, isn't it? Well, it is. It's just an interesting, is, that, is there an overload point And does compacting the season mean that people will watch less and less? And it comes to exposure over impact, Andrew. Um, it, it does, um, but I think, look, as a motorsport tracking, I think the more motorsport on TV, the better. Uh, you know, I don't think there's ever, a, you know, I, if, if I was at home watching, I would probably watch the whole, you know, telecast anyway, because I'm a, you know, a tragic for it. But I, I think people can, can pick and choose what they want to see, and they've got the choice now between different broadcasters and... And different time slots and all, you know, the way they consume it. You know, they can watch it on their mobile phone. They can watch it on their tablet, on their computer. It's, you know, it's all digestible how you want it, when you want it. Mm. And the, of course, the able to series link certain parts of it too does mean you can digest it in over the course of the two weeks rather than having to digest it on that one day it happens. Well, exactly. You can also, you know, you can record it and watch it later if you want to. Like, you don't have to watch it live if you don't want to. So there's so many ways you can you can consume it these days. But you know, it's the really the choice is with the is with the punter. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. But when we return, a final thought. <laughs> Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought, Peter Norton. Um, I'm looking forward to Sydney Motorsport Park to see if the, uh, the Pro Drive Australia domination uh, continues. That's a track that uh, they haven't had a whole lot of luck at over the years. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that will be the really a, a defining race in terms of is it a, an aero advantage. Uh, Sydney Motorsport Park has plenty of uh, very fast turns and uh, you know, the theory is that that's the ones where uh, the, the aero advantage should help them the most. Um, and it's probably where teams like uh, HRT, uh, if their advantage is on the street circuits, they're going to struggle. So uh, I'd expect that coming out of, uh, out of that race meeting, the parity debate will heat up. Yes. What about a final thought or observation from Andrew Hawkins? 
I would I would like to second what Peter said. I think <laughs> Pro Drive are going to go. You know, the, the, the it's really Fossey's season to lose. I think Pro Drive are going to go fine at SM, at SMP. You know, let's not forget the Mossad type the timesheets there for the Super Sprint. Fossey's only only won there once. I'm looking forward to seeing if he can actually dominate this weekend, or either of those two guys dominate this weekend. It is going to be an interesting time ahead in the series for sure. AJ, thanks for joining us from the FFA Cup. I think I forgot too many Fs in there. That's okay. It was a, it's a beautiful night, and uh, thanks for having me on, Greg. And Peter Norton, you don't see that in a TV show. Live crosses to the football. Uh, multitasking, it's great to see, isn't it? That's indeed. That's the skills of these presenters today. Guys, thanks for joining us on Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.